Hello and welcome ladies and gentlemen to episode 39 of the Footmarks podcast. I'm your host Bahram Kazi who you can find at defmango on Twitter and with me as always is Jared Kimber who you can find literally everywhere. And the topic of today's podcast or title is the other Afghan team and if you've not guessed yet it's about the Afghan female cricket team. And uh, before we even get to that topic and of course it is a sensitive one and I'm sure like both of us have lots to talk about it. me being closer to the country also will give you guys an interesting perspective but before all of that jared i want to talk about the rise of afghanistan as a cricket nation holistically first you know it is arguably one of cricket's most incredible stories perhaps you could even put it top of that pile and the rise has been astronomic you know they defied all odds uh, you know battled through oppression all of that and you know they won four games in the last odi world cup which is you know quite unreal if you consider that their first ever ODI World Cup was 2015 so in their third edition they nearly made the semi finals i mean if they had if maxwell had not done them dirty they were a solid chance of making that so had they lost to bangladesh when bangladesh yeah. were losing their minds right um no i think you're right i think 2015 they were pretty poor 2019 they didn't win a game and then to come back to where they are i i think afghanistan is the best story we've ever had in cricket um and it's one of the reasons i wanted to do this particular topic hmm. because if we're going to say that afghanistan is the best story that's ever happened to cricket we need to be really honest here and go afghanistan men are the best hmm. thing to happen to cricket yeah. because the women don't really play right you know they yeah. they're not they don't exist as a, as a, we don't I, i don't know who their players are i don't know how they win in re- in any you know games or anything right like hmm. i don't know who they you know um anything about them and that's on purpose and it needs to be talked about more because it's it's always been an issue but it's certainly not going in it away anyway yeah i mean when we discuss about the growing heritage of afghanistan cricket you'd have to say that it's undoubtedly marred by the fact that in the midst of all of what the men have been able to achieve and continue to achieve the afghan women have been deprived of playing the sport and mm. uh, yeah it's a stain but what's worse is that you know uh it's partly because of uh, their board it's partly because of the intolerance in their nation and the people the taliban who are uh, ruling over there now but this is this is a more complicated history than that isn't it no definitely i think as you be aware pakistan has had its mm. issues forward yes. ahmed got refugee status in australia partly mm-hmm. because he was coaching women's cricket right yeah. uh, bangladesh is another country that you know their women's team hasn't didn't develop as much as it should and it's not just the muslim countries either because south african women's cricket was really looked down upon for for a long period of time when there was when actually as we now know had lots of good players available to them so there are many cricket cultures that just you know not looked after their women's teams correctly and don't think of uh, women's cricket um as a sport and then with afghanistan you have I mean you have this country in chaos anyway right yeah. like it forget forget that side of things it's already in chaos mm-hmm. um women weren't given great opportunities um you know before the taliban or during mm-hmm. the taliban or after the taliban right like i think we sometimes we focus very much on the taliban well mm-hmm. where was the where was the team that they had um when the taliban was in in control right this isn't yeah. just as i don't think it's as straightforward as people think um and so you know it's a messy situation mm-hmm. and you know the history of women's cricket in afghanistan is largely being i was going to say ig- ignored but i suppose actively ignored right mm-hmm. because 
I don't think the people involved knew how to fix it. Yeah. Right. And that's generally what happens in these sorts of situations. If you don't know how to fix it, it's almost better to just pretend it didn't happen. And if anything, weirdly enough, that the Taliban getting involved is the thing that makes it public again, whereas mm -hmm. they didn't have a women's team beforehand. Yeah. Bayram, really. We'll, we'll get into the bones of all of that, right? Uh, I just want to kind of build it up. Uh, you know, Afghanistan is a different sort of cricketing nation because uh, throughout the history of the sport, it's been played by, you know, nations which are predominantly commonwealth. It's been a yeah. commonwealth sport. All of these top countries which play cricket have been former colonies of the British Empire. And Afghanistan is one of the few countries which has uh, been devoid of that colonial past. Uh, and, you know, cricket has grown exponentially because, you know, over the years, there's been a lot of refugees that have come into Pakistan, which is also why this is a closer sort of topic to my heart. And I can totally relate because, look, uh, there is uh, there are issues when it comes to uh, freedom that women enjoy in Pakistan as well. But well, Shahid Afridi said something about he, he women said that they belong in the kitchen or something like that. Yeah, or they cook they cook really well. That's what he said, and yeah, basically, that's probably what he meant. Um, but yeah, like it's uh, similar in many ways, but also different in many ways. Because sure, mm. Pakistan's women, they literally had to, uh, you know, fight their way through to make a team. It was a, a very self-funded sort of project. They were on yeah. exit control lists. It's crazy. A couple of, ri you know? a couple of rich families were involved, yes. right? You yeah. know, you know, and it was it was tough in Pakistan, mm. right? So. Yeah. If, if not for Shaiza Khan and his sister, it might not have been possible till the mid-2000s. And worth remembering... It's, it's been tough everywhere, yeah. right? Women's cricket is like, even in England, it was tough. And you talk to, you know, the early England players weren't allowed to tour unless they were single because married women couldn't leave their families. Um, getting grounds has been really, really tough throughout the history of women's cricket. Uh, there are many countries that haven't backed their women's teams, as we talked about before. You know, w the the first Women's World Cup, the West Indies weren't a unified team. And I would say that's because um, West Indies cricket hadn't actually unified them rather than, you know, than, than anything else at that point. It's been messy all the way through, well before you get to Afghanistan. Yeah. And I mean, sure, we've talked about how they don't have that colonial past. But then again, the rate at which cricket has grown as, uh, you know, entertainment and, and a sport in general in the nation has been exponential. And as I touched upon earlier, a lot of that has to do with all of these refugee kids who picked it up in Pakistan and then went back to Afghanistan. But here's the interesting part, right? Many people might not know this, but they have been an associate member of the ICC since 2001, right? Yes. That's basically when the states came in for people who are not good with their history. And, uh, you know, they, the women at least haven't been facilitated over there properly ever. Because you can talk about the ACB and how it faces a lot of pressure from the Taliban. But as you mentioned, it's not like the Taliban were always around. Especially mm. these sort of initiatives might have been even easier if the Americans were over there and, and kind of, you know, uh, doing all of that good PR stuff because this is literally the gold, what do you call it, holy grail with respect to that. But I, And also, just on the Americans for a moment, mm. I didn't put this in the piece, but it is worth remembering that Americans, Germans, Indians, maybe even Italians have used the cricket team, the men's cricket mm. team, yeah. for, PR, for PR boosts and to prove that they're doing great things and everything. And Hillary Clinton went to Afghanistan and talked about the men's cricket team, right? They all knew that there wasn't a women's team. Mm. This isn't like, it wasn't a surprise to anyone. So all that money that was pumped into cricket from overseas governments who were doing it for, let's be honest, their own political reasons as much as anything else, right? Mm. 
they were more than happy to keep the status quo going as well. Yeah, and we'll get into the Taliban, obviously, because you cannot turn a blind eye to that. And it's quite grave. And I can even give you guys some perspective of what that mindset is kind of like. But let's talk about the ACB right now. Okay. You are associate members since 2001. Cricket is being used as, as that PR tool. And, and that's a good thing. I'm not saying that's a bad thing. If anything, you could go three steps higher if you involve the women in it. But they just, it seems like they never truly cared for the women's team. And they were forced to care when Afghanistan, you know, gained more popularity and the men's team was, you know, making ways. But full member status had been on the horizon for a bit. Okay. And uh, pathway structure for women's cricket uh, is an integral part of gaining that full member status. And the dream was realized in 2017. Afghanistan did become a full member team. And they had provisions in place that, you know, the women's game will be grown. There will be development. But there were no real timeframes around that. Mm. Right. And in 2020, there was that group of 25 women who were identified and granted one year uh, contracts by the ACB. And that is where the buck kind of stopped. And this is a point where there is no Taliban right now. Of course, there is. There are. All I mean, of there's those, always yeah. there's always the group of it, but you mean not in government, don't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And of course, there will be social, religious, cultural challenges. I'm not saying that doesn't exist. But if they're in government, that's a different story altogether. But right now, we're talking 2020. They're not in yeah. government till a full year. So why was there not more done over there? And why did the ICC, ICC simply not? care enough over here because it seems to be high on their agenda elsewhere. So that is a bit of a question mark on the ACB because I feel like they kind of half-assed it or didn't ass it at all. Also, just like Cricket Island, I would say we're probably going to invest money in women's cricket anyway, mm. right? Um, if for no other reason than the Joyce sisters would not have allowed for all the money mm. to go to the men, right? Um, yeah. And no, let's remember, Irish women played a test match before the Irish men. And I'm pretty sure that the Irish women remind the men of that very mm. regularly, right? <laughs> so I think there was some money there. But the, the Cricket Island spent, spent a lot of money on their Irish women's team. Mm. Up until recently, not been very good. They looked really, really young and green in that last World Cup. They've got a couple of really good players. They lost one of them to Australia, which was a real shame. Um, but they've got a couple of good young players coming through that I do think are exciting. But it hasn't paid dividends. They're not suddenly like the seventh best women's team in the world or the fifth best women's team in the world mm. or anything like that, right? And and so from that perspective, they have been following what the ICC has said. We want a women's pathway and everything else, right? They're the only two teams that have come in under the system. When Bangladesh came in, the ICC wasn't even running women's cricket, mm. right? Like that's that's how far back that was. And so one team comes in and is splitting their money with the women, right? Mm. Doing the right thing, but also trying to grow cricket in that country. And the other team isn't. It's not even fair to Ireland what is happening here, let alone the fact that the ICC come up with a rule and then doesn't enforce it at yeah. all. Right? And, like, and what's that's the point three years. It's yeah. three solid years in between. It's not like there was no time and they could have easily done something. Okay, look, we've taken these small measures and there's going to be steady progress based on those measures. You just contract these women and do nothing about it. That's just BS. Yeah, and if you think about it, let's just go back a step to when mm -hmm. Ireland and Afghanistan were going to get test status. We all knew they were going to be the next two teams to get test status. Mm -hmm. No one was surprised by this. Yeah, That regulation was put in and straight away didn't matter mm. because it wasn't. they weren't willing to enforce it. So why ever put it in? Right? Yeah. <laughs> like it's such a, like let Ireland do what Ireland want with the money. Why do Ireland have to, you know, I, I, I think Ireland would have done it anyway. But yeah. it's such a, 
if you're going to do it, either do it or don't do it. And then the other side of things is, and you might, I think you'll know this better than me. And I think I, I understand the cultural problem here. Mm. It's okay to pay a bunch, 25 women to play, to be professional women cricketers. The issue tends to be with women's cricket when they're on the field and they're playing and they're representing Afghanistan or mm. Pakistan or other. That seems to be when the right-wing extreme view it gets upset. No one cares if they're practicing in a training facility somewhere, right? Although yeah. they've got, was it one day a week's worth of yeah. training, despite Basically. the fact that they weren't playing any games. So mm. I, don't, what, I don't know what they were doing for the other six days, yeah. right? But but my, my wider point being there again, like, I, I do think there is an issue there of, you know, oh, we can actually get them to be professional women. It looks like we've got a team, but as long as they don't actually play, we're fine. Um, <laughs> and, and, you know, it is, no one's going to pretend this isn't complicated. Like if you and I run the ACB, we'd be in the exact same situation of like, how do we make this work? But at the same time, it's quite clear that there wasn't a real push on, on resolving any of those issues. Oh, absolutely not. I mean, it wasn't even close to that, right? Which is what makes it all sad. But of course, uh, we'll come back to the ACB again. I think it's time that we kind of bring the Taliban into the fold, right? And it's an issue that we have to discuss, obviously. So come August 2021, the US withdraws its forces uh, from Afghanistan. And uh, almost instantly, the Taliban returned to power. So big failure on the US's part. You spent all those years and then this happens. And, you know, it was such an ugly time in history um, of the world, really, if you really think about it, because those images, I, I can never get those images outside of my mind. Uh, they're stuck over there where, you know, that U.S. plane is leaving and all of those people are kind of hanging on to the plane, trying to leave and, and falling to their demise. It was terrible. It, it, it is one of the most gruesome videos that I've ever seen. And I saw some meme pages make some jokes about it. And I blocked those meme pages. Did, I didn't just unfollow them. I, I swore at them. First, I made a point to kind of uh, make my dissent known and then I blocked them. And uh, yeah, I mean, you know, based on their first stint, because this was not the first time the Taliban came into power. They first came in 1996 and they stuck around till 2001. That's when the, the Americans came in. And even then they had banned all forms of entertainment, right? And this time around, they did this whole pretend job of being more inclusive and hey, we give more of a fuck this time. Uh, some yeah. women are good. They can do some things, but it did not turn out to be that way. Just because you have a spokesperson who can speak English in a British accent, that doesn't change <laughs> anything, right? And that's literally what it was. And everyone was like, oh, maybe, maybe they're different this time. Look, there's a guy who can speak English. But anyway, they do this whole pretend job of being more inclusive, more tolerant and this and that. And particularly when it, when it came to cricket, you know, they had kind of eased up compared to before, because before it was like a complete uh, black and white sort of situation that no, no sport, no entertainment whatsoever. Remember that cricket is a funny game. hundred years before we protected our heads, players looked after their groins. So don't be as stupid as old cricketers and protect your computer today. NordVPN is the protection I use when facing cyber shortfalls or when rights issues try to dismiss me. NordVPN will help you get through the straight bat of any geo blocks so you can watch all the cricket you want. If you need your pitch changed, well, NordVPN can doctor any surface to a new location so that your IP address is set up for you to win. Want to buy an associate cricket shirt from a place that won't ship to your country? Select NordVPN. Want to watch a game on a free stream in another hemisphere? NordVPN. Or if you just want to watch a clip on social media that a cricket board won't allow you to, promote NordVPN to pinch it for you. 
So if you need a VPN, go Nord. Use nordvpn.com forward slash Kimber to get a huge discount off your Nord VPN plan plus four additional months for free. It's completely risk-free with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee. The link is in the show notes. Protect your computer like a cricketer protects its nether region with Nord VPN today. Well, well, cricket and Taliban is a fascinating subject just in general because uh, the original thought was that the Taliban were quite pro-cricket hmm. because it was played in whites and it was seen as a traditional sport. Hmm. That Of all the sports, it was seen as something that hmm. Afghanistan is good play. Interesting. Again, though, I do think there were parts of the Taliban at, at, or the, the, uh, the government rather than the political party at hmm. that point who who did think that cricket was okay. But there were many other people who didn't. And mm. as more Afghanistanis got into cricket, there was a definite blowback by um, the tele- Taliban um, supporters against cricket. So it's never been as clear-cut. Like you hear people go, oh, the Taliban love cricket. And you hear other people go, oh, the Taliban hate cricket. It's not like that. That It's almost like they don't know what to do with cricket. Like with football, they know, oh, we can't have people running around in shorts. So that's easy, right? Mm. And, you know, there are other traditional Afghanistani sports as well. Um, also, you can what- wear the headgear in cricket. I know there's this English girl who does that. So what's the problem? Well, <laughs> I mean, that's another point. That's what I mean. Yeah. It's a confusing sport to them because of those things compared to some other, other sports. Yeah. So it, it is, it's it's a very fascinating, the, the, the relationship the Taliban have always, always had. Also, remember, yes, the Taliban are a... Um, not a de- democratic party, but to rule Afghanistan, they still have to be quite popular, right? Mm. Like otherwise, people will rise up, right? They can't. They can't just keep doing things that hate people. So people with respect Afghanistan, to that, Jared, love that team, right? What they I love feel, that men's team. What I feel is a part of that, and I might be completely wrong over here because I might be close to the region, but I'm not there, right? Yeah. When there is, you know, foreign interference and uh, there is collateral damage. There is a resentment that comes into the locals. You know, a drone strike, for instance. Uh, mm. You went to go get bread from the market. You come home and your family's done for, right? And uh, out of 25 people, those two people that America wanted to kill are dead, right? So that does kind of radicalize the masses as well. Now, I don't know what the ground reality is. I'm just talking about a theoretical thing, which could very true or, or, or very well hold to be true. But let's get into the more... Uh, or like the details that we definitely know about is that after all of that uh, sugar coating that Taliban did in the first two weeks, they went on and did exactly what we thought they would, right? No one was surprised when the senior official, uh, a Taliban official stated that, you know, it was not necessary for women to play sport. And then over the next two years, I mean, uh, the Taliban issued like over 50 edicts, which directly targeted women and girls. Uh, They were banned from going to parks, gyms, even public bathing houses, schools. Right? Uh, they were only allowed to go up uh, to school up until grade six, which is harrowing. And that's a reality that we cannot overlook or sidestep over here because this is extremism. Um, it was a terrorist outfit till it became a ruling party, and now people don't know what to call it. But their, you know, mindset is one where you either live by our rules or your life is in danger. And that's mm. the fucked up part about all of this because all of a sudden, you know, we talked about the social and religious and cultural challenges that were there before the Taliban. And now yeah. you contracted these 25 uh, women who the Taliban thinks are, well, 
bad because they they are going to be playing essentially cricket. their enemies, right? Yeah, like it's yeah. it, it ended up painting a target on the on those women, you know, exactly. in that sort of situation. And yeah, so it, it goes from uh, how do we make this happen, or how do we placate the uh, you know the other side the other sides of cricket who are actually doing women's themes too. Yeah. Um, you know, no one is over in Afghanistan at the moment fighting for the right for women to play cricket in, in Afghanistan because uh, they're fighting for women's rights for you know. To as you said, go to, go school, to school. You mm. know, go to parks and live normal lives. So you know that there is an element of this story that it's like it's that part of cricket. You know, the idea of having a women's cricket team in Afghanistan as it currently stands mm. is impossible, right? Whereas yeah. before they could have maybe got a team up and running and they could have done something. It's now absolutely impossible uh, yeah. for for that to happen. Uh, you know, and you. know, that's not the only thing that is happening to people. Like it's the least important thing in, in fact, you know, yeah. when, when you're looking at what's happening to women, but it's all from the one thing, right? They, they're I mean, all, it's all based on the fact that women aren't given those rights or, or you know, res respected in that way. And so they can't do anything. One of which includes playing cricket. Yeah. I'll give you an example, right? Uh, Aisha Naseem, batting prodigy, power hitting prodigy from Pakistan. Everyone's excited. She's 16 years old. She's already making waves, has a fantastic T20 World Cup. And those cultural, social, religious issues also exist to a certain extent in Pakistan. Not affluent Pakistan, but, you know, rural Pakistan. And based on what I know, she left the sport to choose a life that was going to be centered around religion. Now, of course, that's her choice or whatever, but I'm just trying to explain to you that there are parallels that you can draw. But this is different. This is beyond yeah. that. This is a battle for survival. And as you said, it puts a target on that back, on their back. So it's the obvious move for those 25 contracted female cricketers to, you know, get the hell out of there. And 22 of them, they do make their way to Australia. And I mean, you've just got to feel for those women that they've had to do that, but also kind of feel glad that they had the opportunity to escape because not many have that opportunity in the first mm. place. No, no, exactly. It's... It it's such a drastic number too. Do you mm. know what I mean? Like that many players left and, you know, let's look at the opposite. The men still can go back and, and, and live their life. And yeah. we know there are men within that team who do not support that government. I think they've made mm. that clear at times. Yeah. As clear as you can. As clear <laughs> um, as you can, basically. Yeah. 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 And, and I'm sure uh, there are many who, or not many, but there will be an element of, yeah, these people are all right. Who knows? Oh yeah, no, I'm sure. I'm sure yeah. there are. I mean, I mean, you know, I, I wouldn't wouldn't doubt that for a minute. Um, but but so yeah, so you know, we are talking about the men have just gone on playing cricket pretty much as normal, mm. um, and the women had to flee the country. Like you know, they again, not this is not a cricket issue. This is this is what happens in that society, and the women felt they had to leave, and they luckily for them managed to do so. And uh, you know, the ICC has been fighting all of these calls to sanction the ACB, and this has been going on prior to uh, the Taliban coming into power. When they got full member status, it was an obvious conversation that came up. And, you know, those provisions haven't been fulfilled. So those calls have only gotten louder over time. And uh, no bans have been put in place or anything because the ICC has really stood by the ACB uh, in this sort of climate in particular. And, and we can uh, discuss both kind of sides to that story in a bit. Uh, but, you know, barring the Australian men's team refusing to play Afghanistan, and that too, you could maybe add an element of, oh, we want to play lesser international cricket. We don't want to play the weaker teams because we've seen that before. You, you can't say that because if you <laughs> say that, it'll sound like just like what are fans on the internet moaning. Mm. Let me say it. 
Yeah, sure. We have seen Australia. My favorite story, which we didn't put in this video because I didn't think we needed to, was when Australia canceled the tour against Bangladesh mm. because they said, oh, we've just seen that it clashes with the Beijing Olympics. And so mm. you mean the 08, 08, 08 date that mm. everyone in the world knew the Olympics was coming up on. You've just realized that you're, you, you've got a clash with that. Yeah. That's, uh, no, that's incredible that you've noticed mm. that. Well done for checking your diary. Um, so, yeah. I'd love to think that this new Australian team took a political stance and, you mm. know, followed through on their morals, but more probably that was not the case and they yep. just w didn't want to play more cricket at that point. It seemed like a cop-out, right? But coming back to the point, these provisions haven't been fulfilled. There has been no real effort apart from giving those 25 women a central contract and letting them train once a week because the men's cricketers, like, they get priority. But here's where it gets interesting, Jared. Uh, in December 2022, the Afghan women, these women who are in Australia, they wrote to the ICC and they requested them that, hey, allow us to represent our country at the international level based out of Australia. And that request was surprisingly shot down. That to me gets a bit hypocritical at this point because, okay, you have a fix, but you're not even making any sort of effort over there. I don't know about that. Yeah, that, that goes back to what we were saying before. Why put the original clause in? Hmm. Right, knowing that Afghanistan was always going to be an issue one way or another, why put the clause in, not do anything with it? And then when you are given an opportunity to do the right thing, you go, no, 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 this is for individual <laughs> boards. No, it's not. You put the clause in. You yeah. said that this had to happen, that there had to be a pathway. Here are these women. This is their pathway. And mm. the truth is, I think a lot of people will go, well, what is the ICC going to run this team? Yeah, that's what should happen right now. Basically. The ICC should, should run this team because A, We've already seen in the Olympics a similar thing happen, right? Where mm. the Afghan men were told that they couldn't compete unless Afghan women competed. And of course, mm. they weren't going to allow for uh, local Afghan women to compete. So they allowed for expat Afghan mm. women to compete, right? When you have a whole team of expat women, right? Almost all of which in Australia, ready to play cricket uh, and available. And we have 14 million US dollars in funding. Hmm. Right, that is all going at the moment to the men's team in hmm. Afghanistan. Okay, yeah. it's so actually... I say, why not just split that up and give it to yeah. the women's team, and then use that money to run it? And you, if you don't want ICC people to run it, okay, ask if there's another board. I don't know. If only there was a cricket board in Australia that actually did seem to be quite progressive on women's cricket rights, who could help out here. If only yeah. there was a women's cricket league in Australia where these hmm. women could play and train and get experience. Uh, what a shame <laughs> that we can't work out how to make that happen with all this money mm. that it still exists. Yeah. You mentioned 14. It's actually 16 million, right? 16, and that, sorry. Is, that is part it's of their full, full member benefits. And that's the same amount uh, that they're going to receive. Well, between 2024 and 2027, that is the amount they're slated to receive. Ireland receives the same amount. You've brought this up earlier that they are running both their men's and women's programs with that money. So surely there is a solution here. Keeping in mind all of the political challenges, maybe the ACB doesn't want to get caught in the crossfires and they, won't, they don't want the Taliban to come knocking on their doors and, you know, I don't know, decapitating them or whatever the fuck they do. But well, uh, I mean, let's get back to the whole... Remember when Sri Lanka got banned, right? Hmm. And like, I remember um, one of the guys from Wisdom put up a tweet um, uh, saying... Uh, this is disgusting that they're being banned. But some of us who happen to know people knew that it was because Sri Lanka had asked to be banned, hmm. right? They were had to, but Sri Lanka cricket didn't come out and say that they wanted to be banned, right? Yeah. Because if they did that, 
that would have caused, pro- more, caused more problems with the politicians in Sri Lanka. ACB could do a similar thing and go, how dare you take our money and give it to someone yeah. else, right? While at the same time, they're like, this is the only way. If you mm-hmm. say we can't play as men anymore um, and we have to have a women's team, just siphon off our money before we get the full check. Take out what you think you need to run an independent women's team uh, exactly. in Afghan in in sorry uh, in Australia. Not in Africa. Take take some of the people from the cricket Australia or whatever, right? And have them you know work those jobs that hey we're going to siphon off the money specifically to you. We're going to cut out the middleman over here, which is the ACB and. It all comes down to the fact that uh, I just personally feel that it's not something the ACB is particularly keen on in the first place. I, I just don't think they, I mean, right at the moment, I, mm. I think you're right. I think traditionally yeah. they didn't do a lot to do anything with that. Mm. I know it's complicated and I'm not, I'm not, we're yeah. not sitting here pretending it's not, obviously, but they weren't, they weren't particularly keen on it beforehand. They can't That's be fine. keen on it now. Look, they, they're probably they can't, thinking, right? they're probably thinking, oh, all of our players are playing all of these leagues. We want to, you know, uh, get their NOCs away, ban them yep. or whatever, make sure they're not playing elsewhere. And we, if we get $16 million, we want all of them for our men's team because they're going somewhere. That's probably how they're thinking. And there's proof, right? There is a historical trend of this lack of empathy towards uh, women's cricket in Afghanistan, which is staggering, really. I mean, well, uh, one of the... One of I, the take, I take that a step further. I would say mm-hmm. almost everywhere in world cricket, the men did not yeah. share any money with women, right? Yeah. It, this is this is not about... Af- in that case, Afghanistan is very not special. We've always yeah, seen I, this I suppose before. So. Yeah, yeah so, we see this so, right now in, in uh, Pakistan, Sri Lanka, maybe. It's on the back burner. Oh, Women's cricket we saw it in Australia burner. and England and New Zealand for generations mm-hmm. too, right? Like, yeah. what I mean is none of this is new. That, that, that not wanting to share the money and mm-hmm. grow the entire game, but just grow your part of the game is, is fine. But the ACB, can't, the, even if they were the most progressive cricket board in, uh, on earth, I'm not sure there's much they could do publicly at, in, in order to su- support any of this. In fact, I almost think the, the opposite is better, though. If they came out with a word going, I cannot believe the ICC have, have threatened to take away a percentage mm. of our money, yeah. that would be the best thing that could happen mm-hmm. for women's cricket in Afghanistan, right? And I think you and I would then also say, it's, this is not a fix, hmm. right? Because, you know, getting the next generation of Afghanistani women, women together, they're all not all going to jump on a plane and, you know, yeah. go out to Australia and become refugees and, um, you know, and, and all that sort of stuff. It's not that, but at least it is someone trying to do something hmm. and support is supposed to be for all. Yes. And in cricket, we have spent too many years proving that cricket is not for everyone. Right, And the ICC went, oh, no, 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 we're going to make sure it is for everyone. And then they ignored their own rule and they have a way out that they can now use, you know, they have, they're lucky that all these women have ended up in the same place, right? Yeah. Like that's a lucky thing for the ICC. They can put this together. They can get something happening and maybe we can build something of of Afghanistan women's cricket because who knows what Afghanistan is going to be like in five years, 15 years, 20 years time, right? Yeah. But we, we know we what it's like right now. I mean, as you said, it's a stopgap solution. It's not something which is a long-term sort of plan. And just to echo the sentiment of uh, Sana Yousafzai, who is one of the 25 contracted players who actually spoke to Wisden Cricket. And I'm just highlighting this because I want people to understand that while the cloud of Taliban is over Afghan women cricket, the ACB has really been shitting the bed for quite a while because she she literally mentioned that they were only allowed to train once a week and they never truly cared. For, for women's cricket. And imagine that, like you're not playing any cricket. You're only allowed to train once a week. Might as well just, you know, ship them out to another country, which they ended up doing anyway because they had to run for their lives. So 
even before the Taliban came to the helm, expectations were at an all-time low. The priority was very clearly men's cricket. And that's where I get really pissed off because, look, 16 million US dollars is still a lot of money. Take two away from that kitty or three million away from that kitty. Just invest that or even one, one million on 22 girls, Jared. That's that's going to make or at least be good enough for a year for them, right? Just give well, them I that mean, money. So the big the big question is what happens when the next test team or full member nation gets in? We may not even call them test teams by them, right? And they get a split of the pie. Surely the next thing is that the ICC has to say how much of the split goes to men's cricket and women's cricket, right? Mm-hmm. And let's just imagine one day the ICC realized that disability cricket is being played, yeah. right? That's gonna be another one as well. That's what that's that's how you change this. That's how you stop what has happened in women's cricket happening, right? Thanks to the kind folks at FlexiSpot for looking after my office and my butt by sending me their E7 Pro desk that save your favorite desk heights at a touch of a button. You don't have to crank anything. This thing just finds the height that you like and you can work. And their BS12 Pro chair that supports my posterior while I'm recording, well, this ad and all my shows. If you need great desks, especially ones that change heights or the best quality chairs, head on over to FlexiSpot. And let me just uh, throw in some more politics over here. This was not in your piece. But uh, I'm not saying it was wrong. I'm happy that India really backed Afghanistan and uh, they facilitated the men's team. And all of those players got IPL gigs and they have a running income now. Kudos to you, India. Uh, I know the whole political situation or geopolitical situation in this part of the world is such that you'd probably want to ally with Afghanistan as well, given Pakistan and India don't get along. And uh, I'm just saying, you guys got a lot of money. You guys are asking for $1 billion in the revenue. Why don't you facilitate it? Why is that hey, something I'm, that you can't do? I mean, the truth is, I, you could throw England and Australia into this as well. Like, if Australia is going to go out and say, we're not going to play against them, what are they doing to solve the problem? The women are in Australia, yeah. right? Like, and I would say that the outside of Australia, the country that's talked about this the most in the media has probably been England, right? Mm-hmm. Again, what, what is happening? And... The big three, they want all the power and they want all the money. Okay, well, with power, as you know, the the old uh, Spider-Man quote goes, comes responsibility, right? And, and this is where it's really, this is where it's really annoying because I think the ICC, and so I always split the ICC up in my head mentally between the boards and the administration. I think this is a position where the administration is stuffed up. Right, because they put this law in and they, or oh, this condition in, they were obviously in no place to actually deal with it mm. at any stage, right? But also, the other boards have got to actually come together and say, well, do we take this seriously enough, right? Mm. You know, and how serious is it? I, I think it would be a crying shame if the men were suspended from from cricket, right? But maybe that's what it takes, right? Suspending I mean- the men until the money is diverted to some sort of women's cricket program uh, Mm -hmm. that we could see action on the ground, as you said, not just the name. Mm -hmm. Maybe that's what has to happen here, but you can't, we we just can't be in a situation where cricket has allowed for this um, to go on as long as it has, which is far too long already. Yeah. That's the point I was trying to make is that, you know, uh, as these bigger or more well-endowed cricketing nations, just do it for the PR, if nothing else, right? Because it is a good story. You can even like kind of make Pakistan look shit in this India. I'm literally saying that. Do it, you know? 
And uh, I just don't understand why, as you mentioned, some of that money cannot be siphoned off to some sort of organization in Australia, which kind of helps towards the betterment of these women. Okay, let's not make them into an Afghan team. Let's somehow get these women facilities and everything to play cricket. Maybe they can someday play the women's big bash league. Maybe you can, if, the, if one of them is a Rashid Khan, but female, you could have them play the women's Premier League. At it least improve their lives, even if you're not having them play as a team. I think it's really important to note that it doesn't, let's say none of them are Rashid Khans. Hmm. I don't know. Maybe they just pick 25 random women for all I know, right? I don't know how good these women are. I, you know, I've, I've heard stories of some of them. I think there might be one who lives in Canada and someone might have told me about, uh, hmm. about her career. I think that's right. Um, but we don't know. Let's pretend they're not very good. Hmm. This is what changes. Uh, this is why it matters. And this is why professionalism matters. You're not only just training 25 women to play cricket and represent Afghanistan. You're training potentially future cricket administrators, hmm. future cricket agents, future yeah. cricket coaches, right? All these, that is what you are really doing. That is what professionalism really does. That's why England, you know, had that structure through county cricket and had all these people available to them and all that sort of stuff. That's why Australia and the West Indies got that boost in the arm because professionalism allows you to, to, to actually keep the knowledge that you are getting and pass it on to the right people. On hmm. top of that, there is the symbolic part of this, Yeah. right? Of it would be a powerful statement for world sport if the Afghanistani team went out and played in the Asian women cricket, uh, was the, the Asian uh, cup. Yeah. I mean, Jay right. Shah is the president of the ACB, is it? Or something, secretary of the ACB? Not the ACB. Uh, no, no, not the I ACB, sorry. The Asian, Asian Cricket Asian... Council, the ACC. Yeah. ACC, yeah, yeah. yeah. I was going to so say, would, sorry, sorry, that, Jay that, has a lot of jobs. I didn't know if he was involved in, in that. But, but uh, again, that's probably where they're going to play, right? And maybe some yeah. qualifying events. And lo No one's expecting them to go to Australia and do six months of training and then suddenly, you know, knock off the uh, Australians at the MCG. W we know that's not the case. But getting them to that point, getting them educated, getting them trained in what professional cricket is all about, exactly. all of these things are very, very important and can actually play a part. Right. On, on top of the fact it's, it, you know, we are a global sport. We can't pretend that global issues can't be overcome because to be fair, we all know how corrupt and stupid the Olympics is. And it's basically yeah. just a way of grafting money out of local councils from what I can tell. Right. But they at least try and do the right thing when it exactly. comes to, you know, people playing under no flag and people playing under their flag and all these different things that they do. They try and do the right thing because at their heart, they are at least pretending that it matters. I and think, you would have to say that cricket is not doing that. I think that's where our frustration is stemming from because it's not just that, you know, they can't do anything or they can. There is no attempt. There are so many things yeah. that they could do over here. At least, you know, improve the lives of those uh, female cricketers or siphon off some of the chunk of money that you're going to give the ACB, give it to them, facilitate them somehow, get them those facilities within Australia, do something. That bit seems like a no-brainer that you have to at least try and attempt to, you know, facilitate facilitate those women. Because it is something that is still a requirement of the full member status, isn't it? So ultimately, people are not wrong when they're questioning why is this still not happening? Because if you did not have those 22 women in Australia, then it was a different story. We can debate it's it all It's much night. harder, isn't it? I yeah. mean, you could make an argument that you could still pick a team to go to, say, the Asian uh, Cricket um, mm. Championships, uh, the Asia Cup, uh, from 
women around the world, but you'd be picking players who've never played with each other, well, don't play with each other regularly, maybe haven't trained with each other. You don't know who's good, who's in shape, who's hmm. in form and all that sort of stuff. They've kind of lucked into the fact that they're all in one place. Yeah. Right? And instead of using that, um, you know, they haven't quite done that. So, yeah, yeah. it is, you know. You know, it, if I... If if someone who didn't know about the women in Australia, the 22 women, it would have seemed like a pipe dream. This is still a long shot, but there's something that can be done here. At least try. That's all we're saying over here, right? There is no attempt to try. And all of these powerful boards, they're not recognizing how important this will be for global sport. There's women and there's money. Hmm. It's a great PR exercise. Yeah. Right? It also, you could get it sponsored, right? Mm -hmm. Because brands would want to be involved in this. You talk about getting cricket into the Olympics. You talk about getting cricket outside of the major markets. You can't tell me if the next, whether it be the Asia Cup or a World Cup qualifier, a documentary crew is going to want to follow this around. Right? Yes. And, like, and you always tell me, Jared, that cricket or any sport is more about the individual stories. What if some extraordinary talent comes out or blossoms from these 22 uh, women? I they could even inspire want to think millions. No, imagine all the diaspora kids who could right. get inspired. I don't even want to think about that only because hmm. that's the best case scenario that one hmm. of them is an absolute freak and is the new, you know, Alyssa Healy, right. Yeah. But from Af Afghanistan, that would be absolutely incredible. And we would all love that. But that is like that. You can't get yourself into that situation, hmm. right. Unless you actually do the work and they don't want to do the work, right. It's too hard. And if you look at the Afghan women's team, really the, the true story of it is everyone has said from the start, it's too hard. Well, I'm sorry. That's what they said about women's cricket throughout the entire history of it. And look at where we have got to now. Sometimes it, that is just not an acceptable answer. And I think here, certainly not the case. It's a cop-out. And I'll tell you one thing, and this might be a generalization, but based on my experiences living in Pakistan, you know, the Pakhtun people, who are ethnically the same as Afghans. They're all the same kind of people. And you get a lot of them in Pakistan as well. Your Rizwan, Shaheen Afridis, you know, Naseem Shahs. All, all your Afridis. Of, yeah, all, all of our Afridis. It's all part of the same sort of ethnic background. These yeah. people are tough as nails. You give them facilities, you give them an opportunity, and they will prove you wrong or whatever. They'll prove you right if you invest in them. They will kind of, you know, give it everything they have. And if these women have left their country, which they're probably really happy about as is, but if they get that opportunity to do what they were originally picked to do, they're going to, you know, work their asses off. And, and I can totally expect that, particularly from Pakistan people. Uh, I mean, there's no doubt. It's, they're an incre incredible group of people when you look mm -hmm. at the history. You know, the Duran uh, line makes it Alexander's, even more crazy. Alexander's yeah. descendants? That's what I mean. Just, I mean, you go through the history and, you know, the wars that they have fought mm -hmm. in and, 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 and their backgrounds. And, you know, to be fair, they see themselves as modern day warriors, right? Like you talk to the, some of those players on both yeah. sides of the border, they mm -hmm. see themselves as modern warriors. And as I said before, let's say there is a Rashid Khan in that group. Mm. Absolutely great. I just want them to get on the field because I yeah. think them getting on the field is another great story for cricket. And, you know, we, if there was no money and there were no players, I'd be like, maybe this is too hard, right? Like, I don't know how we do this. Yeah. And maybe we can, uh, it's just, we know there is money there. We know there are players there. It actually seems like cricket is now effectively turning its back on a solid solution mm. of 
We will take a percentage of the ACB's money. They don't get it because they never fulfilled their part of mm. the bargain that they signed up for. Because of that, we're going to run this team over here. And we're going to maybe occasionally bring other Afghan women from around the world who play yeah. cricket in other places to come over and do the same. Absolutely. And that's the point of the individual story part because some yeah. kid in the States could get inspired that, hey, I have... Afghan lineage. My family watches cricket. I'm going to give this a go. And you could have a diaspora team. And Jared, I'll be honest with you. I used to have an opinion on this, right? I did not know about the 2022 Asian Games thing where the Afghan National Olympic Committee, they fielded 17 female athletes and there was a volleyball team as well, uh, female. And they were drawn from the Afghan diaspora worldwide, right? And this is exactly like this happened because, as you mentioned, the International Olympic Committee, they kind of put that stipulation on the Taliban rulers that if you don't allow women and young girls to have access to sport, uh, then you're not allowed to. Or that is basically your prerequisite to participate in the Paris Olympics in 2024, right? I did not know this. So prior to that, I always felt, and I still do kind of feel that way, that if you threaten the Taliban that, hey, we're not going to play cricket with you until you do this. They wouldn't give two hoots. They wouldn't give a fuck. That, that was my opinion about this prior. I probably, you can find some of my tweets when Australia uh, said no to playing Afghanistan. Mm. That's the sentiment that came out of me that, hey, you're not helping the men this way because the Taliban is fucked up as is. So now the men can't also play because their rulers say that people, uh, women can't play. That was my stance. But ever since I've been made privy to this knowledge that they actually did send a team of 17 diaspora women to participate in the 2022 Asian Games, that gives me some sort of precedent to believe that this might work if the ICC tries something similar. I was saying this before and then we got off topic and I forgot to finish mm. my thought. So the Taliban are obviously not a, uh, you know, fully de democratically elected mm. organization. I think we, we understand what that side of it a little bit. That's fine. Um, but even if you are a, uh, you know, a dictator, you have mm. to keep people on side, right? At a certain point, the greatest news story really out of Afghanistan over the last 20 years has been the men's cricket team, mm -hmm. right? All politics is local. If you were to say the only way for the men to continue is if this money is siphoned off. And I don't know if you yeah. have, I don't know if the ICC have to go this far because I would, if yeah. I'm the ICC, I just go, I'm siphoning off the money because you never did this thing. And now we found a way to do it for you. But let's say that doesn't happen. The ICC can't do it or don't, are unwilling to make, pull that. Hmm. Um, you get, you then say, if you want to continue to have the men playing and they've just almost made a World Cup semifinal, as you've pointed out. This is the best Afghanistan team we have ever seen in men's cricket yeah. by such a distance, right? They are really, really good. Look at them, you know, that, that game where they should have got absolutely smashed in the face by Sri Lanka the other day, and they mm. still fought their way back, right? And, you know, still got themselves over 300 in that game. Mm -hmm. I, always, I always wonder, what, what happens to the local politicians who start to say, um, uh, no, we don't care, we don't want the men's team playing then either, right? Mm. Is that a win for the uh, for for the Taliban, I don't think it is right. All politics are local when it comes down to it. Having said that, I don't think it needs to get to that point, right? Yeah. The ICC could just do it. They it's their money they're allocating. The mm. ACB are against their terms and conditions, um, and they know where the women are, right? <laughs> like at a certain point, you don't even need to go to that distance. You just need to do it. Uh, and Look, I don't think it's going to happen, sadly, but I do think it's something that we should be talking about and that we should yeah. keep the pressure on. Um, because if, if, we don't, if we don't talk about it, 
what is that? They're just going to be the only single sex team in cricket. And I can tell you a completely different story, of course. What yeah. happened when we had another cricket team who, who did a similar thing like that? That's what ended up happening to the South Africans when they refused to play teams that weren't vast majority white, mm-hmm. right? Um, and and get themselves into a situation where eventually, well, most of cricket wasn't white. So now you can't play anyone, and then the white teams don't play you. What if all the other teams start to you know do what Australia d- did, right? And, and let's pretend that Australia did it completely for the right reasons, and we don't mm. know 100% which way it, it goes on that. But let's say they do. Let, what if Pakistan say the same thing and India say the same thing and England say the same thing and mm. Zimbabwe say the same thing. Afghanistan men suddenly can't play anyway. Like th- that might be where this ends. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing, right? Uh, after researching on the topic at hand and all the perspective that I gained and the new knowledge that I gained, my original view that this is unfair to the men if the Taliban is not letting the women play, you're saying that no one's going to play the men either. You're robbing them of, you know, cricket opportunities. But then you have the Asian Games precedent. So I'm saying the ICC, like you said, it might not need to go to that extreme. You can just siphon off some money to those female cricketers or some sort of organization that then facilitates those female cricketers and, you know, gives them those sort of uh, facilities and resources to help grow their game and maybe uh, potentially field them in a game or, or, or some sort of cricket. Like, as you said, it could be an Asian Cup or whatever. But in an extreme case... Could the ICC not say to the Taliban that, hey, if you don't let us <laughs> siphon off one of the 16 million to this organization in Australia so that these women who don't live in your country anymore can go and play for Afghanistan, we won't let the men's play? I think they're going to say, yeah, sure, do it. I just, <laughs> I think everything we know of the ICC, they're just <laughs> not going to say it. I think that, that's why, what though? it comes down to. It's such a big uh, double standard. I can tell you why. There's a little nugget in the ICC's uh, response about this when they've been asked about this before, mm-hmm. where they say we don't uh, we don't uh, interfere in individual boards. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, or oh, do you? Yeah, of right. course you don't. Well, and the reason they say that is because they don't want to be in a situation where if they do this, and then India, England, or Australia, or Pakistan, or South Africa, or Sri Lanka go, wait a minute, wait, well, you can just do that and not give money anymore. <laughs> the brains will be tightened even more on the ICC. And I think mm. that is actually, sadly, another part of this. But ultimately, I don't think you could make a moral argument on, on, on the side of what the ICC is doing. Yeah. But also, there, and now the ICC are in, um, uh, you know, uh, are actually against their own rules, right? So, as I said at the start, you made this rule. No one forced you to. No one was sitting there going, oh, you know, I don't remember the global media outcry going, the next nations are really going to have to look after women's cricket. Mm. I don't remember that. They'd made a decision that they thought was morally correct at the time, and they have never stood up (laughs) to their own decision, right? And there are lots of villains in this story. Mm. But this is you and I are talking about cricket because that is the part that, that we are experts on, right? When it comes down to it, a cricket, uh, the people who run cricket, put it in inverted commas, but uh, <laughs> the people who run cricket uh, uh, made a decision that they won't even stand up for themselves. And that's why we're in this mess. Yeah. And uh, that's that's why, I mean, you said the ICC said that we don't want to interfere with other boards, but we're fine with other boards interfering with other boards. <laughs> I don't know about that then, right? <laughs> no, but that, that's the, I mean, <laughs> yeah. 
it's all hypocrisy. But you've, uh, mm. you, you could go through the history of the ICC. You know, it, it's a bit like my favorite one, and this has nothing to do with the Afghan women, but it shows you just how silly the ICC can be at times. If I'm in Pakistani cricketer, right, mm. and I want to play in the South African League, right, and I get a contract to go to the South African League, I need, I need a no objection certificate from the Pakistan board, mm. and then I go into an official South African um, team, right, and now the South African owner doesn't want to pay me. Right. Okay. Well, can I go back to my Pakistan board who had to give me clearance to go? No, no, we, we don't get involved with that. Okay. Okay. <laughs> but these are, this is official. So I can go to the ISIS. Oh no, we can't get involved. That's a South African issue. Right. They're terrified of taking too much power and having the big boards completely ruin them forever. The ICC, but that means that they can't do anything. Yeah. Right? They it's can't complete... get, mo- they can't get cricketers paid right hmm. in leagues that they essentially are sanctioning right yeah. so why would we think that they would suddenly do the right thing here and you know we don't we are just as frustrated as everyone else that there is what looks like a fairly simple solution uh, in the short term that can be done here and it's not being done yeah because the icc loves to take all the ownership but not really at the same time that's the thing over here right and uh that is why I don't like the way cricket is run by individual boards and all of that stuff because now no one's caring about this and there's a clause in the ICC that states something and it has never been met and we're not even saying meet it completely. Everyone understands the complexity that comes with Afghanistan as a cricketing nation and how it's peculiar mm. and how the Taliban being in the in power is, you know, a big uh, threat to all of this. But we've literally given you a solution, right? That's what I want people to ponder on. You're quick to make an argument on either side that, oh, uh, they don't let women play. We're never going to play them. Or, oh, you can't punish the men's team because of this. Look at all of these details that we've presented in front of you and think about it. And which is why this makes such an this uh, episode of Footmark so important. And I'm sorry if I was too impassioned in this because this is something that hits me close to home. These are social, cultural, religious issues that I've had to not directly deal with, but that bother me when I see them in some sort of, uh, you know, um, I, I'm not getting the word right now, but... I, if I see some of it, some semblance of it in my country, it pisses the crap out of me. So that's why that's why it's got my uh, me all riled up. But anyway, I, I suppose we should end this now. <laughs> yeah. All right. I mean, I just to go back to one thing I said before. Hmm. Cricket's either a sport for everyone or hmm. it's not. Yeah. Right. And we have made too many decisions in the history of cricket that suggest it's not. The ICC wrote this into the hmm. into the full member conditions, suggesting that we're trying to fix it. Yeah. We need to make a decision as a sport what we actually want to stand for. Too often we've been on the wrong side of issues. Mm-hmm. We have a chance to be on the right side. And there's a way. I mean, even if it's a stopgap solution, at least try. And on that note, I suppose it's good to end this. So if you guys like this episode of Footmarks, uh, give this video a like, share it with your friends, and subscribe to both this channel and Jared's other channel on YouTube. We'll be back with another episode of Footmarks Net next week. Till then, that'll be all. Goodbye. Thank you for listening. This podcast has an ad-free version via Patreon, where there are also many other extras as well, including a Discord channel where you can chat to me directly. There is a link to the Patreon in the show notes. We are an independent podcast, so support us any way you can. Maybe give us a review, subscribe, or share on social media. All of these things help us. And when it comes to podcasts, word of mouth is always the best way of making it grow. If we had a guest on, chances are their socials are in the show notes. 
please support everyone who comes on this show. I am Jared Kimber, and this is my network. But we also have hosts and co-hosts like Baram Kazi and Asel Vasudevan. This network is overseen by Nick McCorriston, and each episode is produced by Ishit Kaburka at Sound Potion Studio. Mukunda Bandredi, or Muku as most people will know, is the head of our YouTube channels, and he also helps out with so many other things like the podcast recording. And there's so many other people we could thank here, but I just want to thank all the listeners and all the people who help behind the scenes that make this podcast work. Tired of editing your podcast and videos because you are as lazy as me? Well, try using Memento FM, an AI-based service that cuts and dices, so all you have to do is hit post. Try Memento FM today.